Genesis 6-4 is where we are first introduced to the Nephilim giants, which are the offspring of fallen angels having sexual intercourse with women. The evil that is unleashed on the earth, along with the sinful mutations of God's creation, appears to be the driving force behind the global flood. Have you ever wondered why there are certain passages of Scripture where the Lord instructs the Hebrews to kill every man, woman, child, and animal in certain tribes of the Old Testament? Join me now in this very special interview with Stephen Lauterbach of Despite Popular Beliefs Podcast as we take a very candid and open dive into discussing both the pre- and post-flood giants that are mentioned throughout the scriptures. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining tonight. Uh, I'm sitting here in Long Island prepping for the storm that's on its way up the East Coast. So hopefully we get this in before any any real damage comes. Uh, you know, rumor has it that we have to be on the lookout for power outages and fallen trees and, and things like that. So at any rate, this is going to be a little bit of a different type broadcast, a very cool broadcast, I think. I was recently interviewed by a gentleman named Stephen Lauterbach of Despite Popular Belief, uh, podcast, and he was very intrigued by a series that I had done a while back on the Nephilim giants, uh, the giants of Genesis 6 4. Uh, I had done a series on both pre flood and post flood, as well as some of the details concerning the flood, and he wanted to explore that topic a little bit more. Um, and what I would call a very candid conversation, he said he wanted to take a 30,000 foot uh, view of it. So I thought it would be cool to to play that as part of today's broadcast, uh, as well as introduce you to Despite Popular Belief. It's a very cool podcast that uh, I, I would strongly encourage you to check out. I'll give you the information near the end of this. But at any rate, this is uh, what, I, what I'm calling the biblical giants of Genesis 6, a candid conversation between Despite Popular Belief and the Russick Outlook. And again, I was very, very grateful uh, for the opportunity to, to, to discuss this. Um, and, we, and we went into a number of different areas, which was, I, I, I trust it would be of interest because I'm finding that this is one of the more popular topics that people want to know about. So hopefully you are one of them or many of them, I should say. Before we jump into this, I'd just like to remind you, if you could, hit the like and subscribe button, as well as ring that bell on, on uh, YouTube and any of the other platforms. Uh, again, it helps us get the information out there because we are trying to engage with the truth. And please, if you could, jump on the Russick Outlook, join our email list. I will be announcing shortly some very cool news, I think, uh, for some uh, an invitation that you will receive only via email. So if you can jump on the Russick Outlook and sign up for the email, they're free. We don't do anything with it other than notify you of what's coming up. So uh, without further ado, let me introduce you to, despite popular belief, as Stephen Lauterbach and our conversation on the biblical Nephilim giants of Genesis 6. Welcome to Despite Popular Belief, where we discuss Reformed biblical theology in a culture full of opinions and agendas. I'm Stephen Lauterbach, and today we're talking about giants. Hey, everybody. So this particular topic is something I've wanted to do probably for over a year. 
And it wasn't until I heard this three-part series from our upcoming guest. Uh, this is Mark Russick from the Russick Outlook podcast. And he does have a YouTube channel because he does lots of visuals with all of his presentations and everything he covers. Anyways, he had this three-part series about the Nephilim, about giants. It was pre-flood giants. It was post-flood giants. Uh, amazing series. It honestly <laughs> blew my mind. Really cool stuff. So I wanted to have him come on the show and give us a 30,000-foot view of that series just to whet your appetite and get a little bit of information. And then you guys can jump into his show and check some of those episodes out. But... Before we get into that interview, I do have to thank our base ministry supporters over on Patreon. We have, guys, thank you so much. This, this is single-handedly funding the ministry. It covers all of our licensing fees, distribution fees, um, anything you can think of that happens behind the scenes to run the ministry. Uh, so I want to do a special thank you to Flesh Kill Apparel, Amelia Kotowski, I butcher that name. I am so sorry. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> Travis Flores, John Alden Davis, uh, Joshua Burns, Lydia Lou Garrick, Dustin Johnson, Camille Gorjank, Casey Gallenberger, Dan and Leah Tortorici. I'm going to throw Timber Fox design in there uh, this time here too. Uh, Jason Sims and Rebecca Marty. Guys, thank you so much for supporting this ministries. If you guys are interested in helping out, uh, there's all sorts of bonus content, bonus episodes, full-length episodes, bonus videos. Um, I'm starting to uh, hand out some exclusives on there, too. Uh, basically, it's just patreon.com slash despite popular belief. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I do have to give a disclaimer for this particular topic. When you think of giants, you're thinking, oh, just really tall people. No, it's a little more evil and a little more wicked than that. Uh, so this is not for young ears. If you have kids around and you're listening to this on a speaker, uh, you may want to reconsider and possibly listen on headphones. If you don't have kids, don't worry about it. There's a very dark and disturbing things uh, involved in this episode. The second disclaimer is extra biblical content. So what I mean by that is non-canon um, historical documents. Now, before you freak out and you say, oh, no, heresy, this is, listen, there are going to be references to the book of Enoch, uh, Jubilees, uh, Jasher. If you're curious about extra biblical uh, sources, dig into that in your free time. Uh, you, you should test stuff that I'm saying and stuff that our guest is saying. Test it to the scriptures. We are going to use scripture, but there are sources that he's going to reference that yes, we are 100% saying this is not canon, this is not Bible, this is not scripture. It's worth checking out, though. Uh, something to research on your own time. Uh, some really interesting stuff. Uh, without further ado, I think we should just get into it. So let's set it off. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Despite Popular Belief. We have a super special guest with us today. We have Mark Russick from the, well, I got to get this right, the Russick Outlook podcast. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. Glad to be here. And thank you for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. It, the first time that I came across your work, uh, it, it was actually on Instagram, surprise. <laughs> uh, but you had this series on the flood from Genesis uh, which covered, well, basically just the history and how all the cultures in the world were 
writing about this event. And, um, well, you were talking about giants and Nephilim, and that's what I wanted to have you come on the show to talk to us about today. Um, so I guess just to start out by like defining terms loosely, what do you think the average person would define a giant as? Um, I, you know, I, I think if you look at the NBA and other basketball programs around the world, we see people seven feet, seven feet, two, three. Uh, and plus, so I, I think we're used to seeing that and people are getting taller as time goes by, including women. So, uh, you know, my guess would be if, if you're hovering around the eight foot mark or over, I think most people would say, boy, that's a giant. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. There's a couple of a uh, couple of actors, too, in some movies. Uh, there were some James Bond flicks early on that had some Really big actors. I should have looked the names up, but you yeah. really picture them in your head. Um, probably Jaws. I think wasn't yeah. his name Jaws, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, just watching him bite into that uh, into that chain. They said they made that with black licorice, so that's how they did that one. Yeah, there's another one where he bit into a shark. <laughs> I forgot about that man. James Bond is one of my favorites. It's so bad, it's good. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I would agree with you. It's like, we, we think of giants as just tall people, unusually tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's some like history channel and probably some discovery channel shows that have all sorts of stories about these giant beings, uh, you know, unearthing giant skeletons and the government comes to cover it up. And maybe we can get into that a little bit later. Uh, but we're here to talk about like the implications from from the Bible and things that the Bible mentions about giants. Um, so, I mean, we know that the Bible mentions giants. Are they just genetically large humans or does the Bible maybe kind of give us some other insight into that? No, the, the Bible gives us clear insight into that. And it begins in Genesis 6, 4, where it, it talks about the sons of God coming in and uh, mating or having intercourse or sex with uh, the women. Uh, and then the offspring that they produce where you've got uh, the, I'll call it the DNA of a, an angelic host merging with the DNA of a female human. And, and then what that produces and, and it's very clear in, in the book of Genesis 6, 4 through 8, I believe, uh, where, you know, that outlines that the, uh, the offspring of these became giants or mm-hmm. the says men of great renown. And the, the Bible is littered with uh, accounts of these giants that are way, way, way beyond the eight-foot marker that we just alluded to earlier. Yeah. So what does scripture actually tell us about pre-flood giants? Well, uh, you know, let let me preface it by saying that that appears to be the reason, you know, for the flood. You know, picture, and and let let me just say this. So pre-flood giants, we don't have a lot of uh, account as far as scripture is concerned. We do have a great deal of information from several books that have uh, were, were referred to in by New Testament and Old Testament authors. And by that, I'm talking about the book of Jasher, uh, the, the book uh, of Enoch, and what is the other book? I can't think of off the top of my head. There's a third book. Um, but at any rate, 
these books, and Enoch in particular, talks a lot about what was happening at that time. And, you know, he goes into great detail about these um, genetically modified you know, giants, you know, uh, that, that were around and the, the havoc that they, that they wreaked or, or, or brought forth into the earth. Um, you know, that, that kind of set the stage for ultimately where God wanted to destroy the earth through the flood. And then he found, you know, he, he found a righteous man in, in Noah and by righteous, you know, I don't mean perfection, but he was pure. His bloodline was pure. It was not tainted. So when, you know, when uh, some interpretations of scripture will say Noah was found to be perfect, but that's really what it's alluding to, not the character, but the bloodline. Interesting. Okay, so bloodlines do have something to do with with this abomination. Um, how significant is pure blood versus blood that's tainted by, uh, by these Nephilim giants? Uh, well, you know, to me, the aim of it and the mission of it from Satan's perspective or from the enemy's perspective was to stop the bloodline of Jesus or stop the bloodline of the Messiah. If you go to Genesis 3 after the sin, uh, I believe it's 314 I, I, or maybe 315, uh, where it's really the first prophetic announcement where God says that uh, the woman, he will be bruised by the woman uh, heel. And, and that's kind of, you know, uh, the, the offspring of the woman, I should say, I'm sorry, um, that that will be his ultimate demise. And from that, as he was given that death sentence, he went about, with great lengths to destroy the bloodline, to destroy the DNA. And I would say it began with the giants, because if you picture, if he can taint the bloodline before it reaches the woman to the Messiah, then it's impure and he's won, game over. And, wow. and I think really that's what's at stake. And, and really our DNA and what we created, and just think about, you know, we're all different. We're all unique. We've all been made in God's image. And by doing this, you, you've tainted the creation. You've tainted the creator's masterpiece, in my, in my opinion. And so whatever he could do to stop that, the Old Testament, uh, you know, from, from the giants on up, and you can see about 10 different accounts where he tried to destroy the bloodline. And you think of Moses and you know, being being put out in, in, into the um, in, into the uh, Nile River, you know, yeah. as an infant. So whatever he could do to stop the bloodline, and then leading up to Herod, when Jesus was born, how Herod Herod was obsessed with trying to get to Jesus and kill him. Wow! Uh, yeah. To the point where he wanted every uh, every child under two to be killed until he found him. Wow! So. And I don't want to get this timeline a long winded way of getting there, but sure. Yeah. So I was going to ask about post flood giants. If the flood was intended to, you know, destroy the abomination that was created by, um, you know, the fallen angels uh, sleeping with the daughters of man, uh, are, are there post flood giants? I mean, there have to, there have to yeah. be so we yeah. stories of them. Yeah. In scripture. Yeah. You know, I mean, throughout scripture in the old Testament, uh, after the flood, they're there. And that's that's part of the dilemma. That's part of the challenge that a lot of people face. 
So scripture points out, you know, the most famous story would be uh, David and Goliath. Goliath was actually 13 feet tall, six fingers, had three brothers with six fingers. You know, they were all giants. Side note, uh, four brothers, I'm sorry. And, and David went out with five slingshots. So, huh. you know, my personal opinion is he may have thought the four brothers were going to come after him. Oh, he wanted to erase them. <laughs> he, wanted, he, he wanted to erase them all. Uh, but that is a side note. There's there's many many instances, uh, the Raphaim, the the Anax from really from Abraham's time, right through to David. And you think about Joshua, and if you think about this, where uh, God instructed throughout the whole Testament, and specifically around the time of Moses and Joshua, to kill and destroy certain tribes. Yeah, and he says to kill every man, woman, child animal, everything to do with it. And that's not the nature of God. You know, that's not the God that we serve. That You know, God is compassionate. So what's going on here? And, and what's going on, and, and, you know, research bears this out, is that these were genetically modified mutants that uh, had, had, had developed from having offspring with fallen angels. Now, to get to your point about how did this happen, there's a couple of different possibilities i'll pull it I, I don't think anybody can has it down but let me just say this it says that ham was the father of the canaanites the canaanites are giants they are you know and, and you can see that they are the ones that uh, uh moses sent the spies to and said there's giants in the land yeah we look yeah. we look as grasshoppers to them uh you know that's how big it is so you're talking about giants Compare yourself to a grasshopper. Wow. That's what scripture records. So that's the, 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 the amount of, of physical dominance that, that these people had. And it talks about uh, them carrying out grapes where they had to put it on a, on a pole and carry the, the, uh, um, the vines out. Two of them it took two men. And wow. somebody did a study on the height and everything, and they said that's probably about a 150-pound uh, 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 rack of grapes that wow. they were carrying. I mean, that's, you know, that's how big, and, you know, they were modifying the food, modifying the animals and whatnot. So we know that Cain, uh, I'm sorry, Ham was the father of the Canaanites, obviously the son of, of Noah. So one interpretation is that possibly there were three, the three wives, one of the three wives might have been genetically, uh, their, her bloodline might have been genetically tainted. Um, they, there is an account in Jasher where uh, it, it talks about that the wives were selected seven days before they got on to the ark, wow. before the flood came. So, you know, that's a possibility. And we can get into some, some other areas uh, some people would, uh, you know, I don't want to get down a freaky level, but, you know, there, there was clear indications that they made it with animals. That's mm -hmm. how you get some of the uh, Greek mythology in, in this. And the reason I go there is uh, because they could have gone to the sea. You know, our, Noah didn't have an aquarium on the ark. Right. Right. He had all the land animals. So it's possible that some of these took refuge in the sea. I don't think we, there's a clear answer, but that with no question that, you know, the, the giants were very prevalent in post-flood 
and uh, you know you can trace it to uh, uh, Abraham straight down through to David and beyond. So that's covering well over a thousand years that 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 was marked. Right. So bottom line is like these these unhuman you know abominations are doing these heinous and hideous things to other humans, animals. It's just, it's completely unnatural. So while some of this information could be jarring to people hearing it, or they're like, ah, I'm skeptical. I don't know. It's like, well, just realize the level of wickedness here. That is, that's the bottom line. Uh, A partial cause to the flood. um, Like, like you mentioned, it's like whatever was going on on earth needed to be destroyed. Right. so when I did some research into uh, the Philosopher's Stone, this was like, oh, shoot, this was probably like over a year ago. Uh, There's some really interesting stuff about metallurgy, uh, and a lot of historical documents suggest that uh, Nephilim were uh, teaching humans how to mix metals and, and other technologies. Now, when I say technology, people are like, come on, it's like they're not giving them a, like a phone or an Apple Watch yet. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I'm talking about like industrial things for accomplishing heavy tasks yeah um so like there's very strange stories from native american cultures even medieval cultures uh from their archives just very strange stories about these nephilim sharing uh pieces of knowledge that are seemingly unnatural um and now we look at megaliths okay so we have all these archaeological digs of these insane amazing stone structures with precision cutting things that we can't do today. But do you think that um, Nephilim or giants had anything to do with that? No question. Absolutely. No question. And, you know, for a lot of these, you know, to your point, we're talking about megalithic structures that anybody can look up on the internet. Many of your, your uh, audience, I'm sure is familiar with Stonehenge, the pyramids, uh, the Incas, the, uh, the Bolivian jungles, Easter Island is, is very popular. You're talking about 10 ton heads, 30, 13 feet high. You know, these are absolutely incapable of anything human uh, being done to it. And then to your point about the detail and the sophistication of the tools they use, uh, there, there are some that have, they see have metal clamps on them, mm. uh, that they're held together, that they tooled the metal and then used, actually created these clamps thousands of years ago. Um, but again, how do, you, how do you carve that? How do you deal with structures that are several tons? Uh, oftentimes they see that it's carried and it's in the middle of an open field, meaning they had to travel great distance with this weight. Um, you know, you, you see in Bolivia, there, there's jugs that are 13 feet, 15 feet tall. Uh, drinking cups, uh, you know, and it sounds crazy, but you can look this up. This is verified information. I'm not stating anything like this is not the authenticity of the Bible, but these are, uh, these are facts that substantiate the claims of the Bible. Hmm. And and I think that's important, Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, to your point too, there's archeological digs of skeletons, 15, 18, 20 feet tall. You know, you can, you, anybody can find this information out and with very credible sources and anybody listening, again, they know about some of these things. Think about the pyramids, how that lines up, how, uh, how that lines up specifically astronomically 
with a lot of the, the sun, the detail in that to create these. And there's like, I, I think, 128 pyramids. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just, this is, this is not your normal you and I, hey, let's go out in the back and make something. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so, there's something, something incredible about it. Um, and I, I almost feel like shows like Ancient Aliens, <laughs> while it can be entertaining, uh, it gets filtered into the culture to muddy the water and make you think that this stuff is um, less less than uh, real. I honestly like they make it seem like it's crazy stuff. Something was going on. Something was up. Yeah, and and I think I, I forget the gentleman's name. It was in, in the mid nineteen eighteen hundreds. He had a French newspaper, and I'm going to paraphrase, but you know, he said one of the the greatest tricks of the devil is to make you think he's not real. Mm. And you know, so by downplaying some of these things, like you said, some of these shows, some of these reports, and things like, oh, that didn't really happen, or that's not accurate, and, you know, let's just kind of put that off to the side. And, and I believe that's a strategy, uh, you know, and, and, and even some of the things that I'm mentioning, you know, where I'm talking about some of these megalithic structures that you mentioned, we all see that. Mm. Well, how do we account for that? Well, let's think for a second, really, let's, let's put our minds out there and say, okay, let's, let's, for lack of a better word, let's play devil's advocate. How can this actually come to be? And, and you know, and, and, and that's what I am trying to do. I'm trying to get at the heart of truth. That's always my mission. And no matter where it takes me, what you know, I it, to validate what the Bible has to say. But there's credible research to back that up. Yeah, I think the one of the most compelling things from the series that you did for me was just the significance of that blood. Um, we think about things like communion um and just like even the messiah coming and, and the lineage that he was going to go through to be here he was promised to come he did come uh, we've got the crucifixion you know pouring the blood from jesus christ like all these things about about blood so it doesn't surprise me that there's something there's something about that that i think and you and I might have been talking uh, candidly, uh, probably on Instagram somewhere. But there are there are modern day cults that are obsessed with uh, this this blood stuff, even from those ancient Nephilim. Is is that right? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you can go to something as recent as Epstein and and their research on his island, and the, you know the reports are that he would be getting. I'll, I'll say young age children, whether, you know, eight, 10, nine, you know, 12, 13, 14. But part of the, the um, desire or the objective, I should say, is that they would torture and scare these children where they're, uh, uh, they become so heightened and their blood at that level is supposed to be something that would bring or restore kind of like a fountain of youth. So you see a lot of these people who engage in this will torture children, draw their blood, and then drink their blood. And, you know, this is, at that point, they are lockstep in agreement. And to me, that's like having communion with Satan. You know, that, yeah. that, and so whatever he can do 
to destroy the blood, to destroy the lineage, to impact us, you know, and unfortunately, there are some very sick and sadistic cults out there that do this. And I, I, I don't think it gets reported enough. Yeah. I, th- I think people say, ah, that didn't happen. Is they, they don't want to think that humans are capable of something that sick. But it, it makes me think about pre-flood, these kinds of things happening and the need for the flood to happen. Something that sick that was angering God to cause him to want to destroy, to just destroy the surface of the earth and most of creation along with it. it yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's sense. I mean, if you start with Adam, right, and Adam's fall, and then what what followed to, it, and the next thing that happened to him, or or to generations that followed for him, the females, you know, the these fallen angels had sexual intercourse and then you have the result of this now you you've destroyed god's creation Mm. which i believe is part of the reason you know different subject but you know at the end of uh the millennial reign in the book of revelation jesus says that that there will be a new heaven and a new earth Mm. and this will all pass away yeah that's another subject i don't want to go down there yeah and i we talked a little bit before we hit record here too. We were talking about um, not just le- not just leaving on a conversation of despair and, well, frankly, just depressing things. Um, I know that when I listened to that uh, that flood series you did, I, I felt depressed for whew, almost a week just thinking about the level of of evil that, that you were describing, it was just, I mean, if there's something that's breaking God's heart and, and we, fi- we finally get a chance to witness something like that and, and it grieves us and it moves us, it's like, we're starting to understand the, le- the level of sin, the gravity of sin, which also, you know, amplifies our need for the savior. Um, we start to see the value of grace. It's not just a, Oh, we're covered, you know, cause I, you know, I lied, but I'm covered. I got the grace. It's like, man, it's so much more than that. It's, it's, it's dealing with sin, all, all sin, the sick stuff, the, um, the twisted, the demented stuff, the, the satanic and pagan, just nasty stuff. Um, that was, that was really profound for me. It, it moved me emotionally. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's, Great series that you did. Um, I highly recommend our listeners to go check that out. Um, do you remember the titles of those? I don't want to mess that up. I think you had like three episodes in a row. Yeah, um, I, I think it was called, well, one was called the Antidiluvian Period, which Antidiluvian means before the flood. And another one was the flood and uh, what was about the flood itself. And then I guess another one was called the post-flood. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but if you if you look that up on YouTube or Russic Outlook, they're all there. Yeah, and like, like I said, guys, uh, check check this series out. He goes into great detail about the history, historical sources and documents. Um, you get everything in between. It's a really fascinating series. Um, I learned a ton from it, and that's, I mean, I had to have you come on the show and talk. I just wanted to learn more. No, um, I, I appreciate that because it, it's, it's not exactly things that are always taught in Sunday church or whatnot. And 
you know, to your point, I just wanted to, uh, you know, to the listeners and, and, you know, when you say that you, 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 you were depressed and, and the wonderful thing is that, that we have Jesus and we have, you know, we have that, you know, as you say, grace, and we can never, I don't think, you know, understand the, the level. I mean, that, that God stepped out of heaven yeah. and became man and, and put himself through the cross and, and, you know, it just it, it it just blows me away, and it, and it was the plan of God from from, from the beginning. Um, so, you know, the other aspect that I just wanted to mention too is, and you and I did talk about it. It's war. We're in a war. You know, and and I and I don't think that can be minimized. And you know, where I said Satan's one of his greatest tricks is making people think that he's not real or he's not that bad or blah blah blah. He wants us. You know. He, he, you know, you talk about the blood, uh, uh, you know, even after Jesus, you know, he probably thought I've got, him, you know, with the cross, not knowing the resurrection and, and, and the blood of Jesus and the redeeming qualities as, the, as that gets deposited. But then even afterwards, how he just tried to destroy the Jewish people, the Israelis and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, and destroying that race. And you think about how sick that is, but put yourself in the shoes of early Israel. The language is restored in the, in the early 19th century. The Balfour Accord, the land is given back to the Jewish people. And then just a couple of years before they become a nation, you have the Holocaust, mm. killing upwards of 11 million Jews throughout, yeah. throughout Europe. And that is meant to, to stop the mission and, and, and the calling of Jesus. You know, I know I got off on a side note there, but, you know, that's the seriousness of the war that I believe, you know, that we're in. And that's why I think you see some of the incredulously sick and depraved actions today. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And um, I mean, there's no redemption plan for fallen angels. There's no redemption plan for demons. Um, there's a redemption plan for humans. And so they want to destroy us. They hate us. They hate us. Yeah, and and, and here's something else that you might your audience might be intrigued, at least I was intrigued, but if you think about what happens when a Nephilim dies, hmm. okay, so hell, as we know it, or Sheol, as the Old Testament says, sure. was made for angels, and unfortunately for, for men and women who, who neglected or, or chose not to uh, accept God or, or Jesus, that, that, that's not for them. So you have, and according to Enoch, in the book of Enoch, it says that they are the spirits that live on the earth. So there's a good chance, you know, when you see some of these things where you feel like, okay, there might be a spirit in the house and there's spirits, because we know there are, there are evil spirits. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Jesus cast them out. Yeah. But that could be the result of Nephilim that died, you know, because you think, and they're looking for a host. And I, and I realize for your audience, this may sound a little out there, but, you know, it, 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 it's true. You know, we have the accounts of the Nephilim. Think about it. What happens to their soul? They don't have a soul. Right. What happens, you know, after they die? Right. They're not human. They, they need a vessel. We're aware of demon possession. Yeah. Well, the, the only thing's not created by God. Man's created by God. The angels are created God, by God. The fallen angels, Lucifer, his cohorts, all created by God. But the Nephilim were not. 
Very interesting too, because Satan is, um, a, I don't want to call him a master of anything, but cheap replicas, um, bastardized replicas, um, how he bastardizes sex, marriage, uh, identity. Um, so and this actually just came up on on the alien episode but like like a, a demon cannot take the form of a human it is not it's not human so some people suspect that that's why we see them in hideous forms or you know when people eat mushrooms and they see aliens or elves come to them it's like well they they're never in a human form they they can't they can't do right. it but right. the scripture does mention accounts of possession where, yeah. where uh, it enters a human body as, you know, it's throwing somebody into the fire repeatedly and, and yeah. Jesus has to cast them out or the disciples are casting out demons in Jesus name. Um, I don't want people to think that we're getting into some kind of like fantasy conversation here. Um, again, I just like want to draw this down to like, we have these demons without a redemption plan, sin, is so wicked it's so depraved uh, we need a savior there is a redemption plan for humans like these key things are critical for for christians and believers um are these demonic things scary well yeah i mean yeah <laughs> scripture is constantly saying fear not i mean we were just talking about uh, caleb and joshua going to the promised land going into canaan as spies to check it out um the rest of the spy troop besides uh joshua and caleb they didn't get to see the promised land and live there because of what exactly. they reported they reported in fear caleb exactly and right spot on yeah caleb and joshua just brought the details back here's yep. the creeps. they were giants yep. and that's it they didn't fear though you know how many times is the bible saying fear not it's all the time angels yep. delivering a message fear not um you know it's just like that's a that's a common theme here too we have to use jesus name we have to use jesus name for this stuff Mm -hmm. we don't have to fear <laughs> i know i've been scared before <laughs> I've, I've had no, we all have we all have but but you're right you know uh, we have not been given a spirit of fear but a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind yes i love that yeah man i feel like we're only scratching the surface but i i I just wanted to whet people's appetite about all the research that you did and i really want to encourage people to go and check that series out Check out the, the rest of the Rustic Outlook podcast, too. It's an awesome show. I listen to it while I'm driving to and from work. Uh, love your work, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about Giants and Nephilim. This has been awesome, and I thank you for your time, and I, and I applaud you for what you're doing. You know, this, this is great. We need more of this. We need to drill down and get the truth out no matter where it leads because you know, Jesus said, I am the truth. So if we're, we're searching for that. We're searching for him. I love that. Mark, where can people find your stuff online? What platforms are you typically on? Sure. Well, you can go to russicoutlook.com. That's R-U-S-S-A-K, Outlook. Uh, we're also on YouTube, most of the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, uh, some of the other, I can't think of the others, uh, as well as all the social media. You can find us on Instagram, which is how you and I found each other. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, Facebook. Um, you know, it, it, and, and really my heart and, and, and mission is, you know, to get the information out there, to get the truth, because, you know, I break down what the word has, but I also look into, you know, current events, how that may line up 
and science, technology, because you know we're going down a line now, tainted there, and, and you know I wouldn't be surprised to see Satan involved in that. And, uh, matter of fact, I think he is. <laughs> but yeah, but at any rate, that's that's where you can find. Me. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. God bless you. Well, I'm so grateful to Stephen for that opportunity, for that conversation. I'd like to pass along some of his information. It's Manifold Ministries. Uh, ManifoldMinistries.com is where you can get all the information. He's also got some cool swag if you like some of uh, the different clothes and hats and things like that. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of information, and I stole it off his website, Yes, I stole it. Uh, despite popular belief, a reformed biblical worldview in a culture full of opinions and agendas. It's a podcast hosted by Stephen Lauterbach discussing reformed biblical theology. We believe that scripture, God's word, is what should define our culture, opinions, and agendas. And I'd just like to close. One of the things that I, I so much appreciate about him is he represents the youth. Uh, this is a young man. Um, I don't know him very well. We, we've we've recently met, but I uh, I'm confident that we've become friends, and uh, just so taken by his stance, his willingness to stand for truth and and to tap into areas that are sometimes uh, considered taboo, or sometimes you may not hear that in your typical Sunday church uh, sermon or or teaching. Uh, so please go check out his ministry. Um, it, you know, he's just a young man with a lovely family and. and you know, I believe God's blessing him and his work. So go check it out. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, any any questions about the subject matters that we, we covered, uh, please don't hesitate. Shoot me a question or a comment. Uh, you can email russickoutlook at gmail.com. And as always, if you have any prayer requests, I'm happy to take that. Uh, the most important thing that you can take out of all of this is knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, you know, if you don't, if you're sitting on the fence, if you're just not sure, if you have questions, email me or seek the Lord and or seek a church near you or friends that may be Christians near you. Seek them out because uh, Jesus is real, I, I promise you. So you've been listening to the Russick Outlook. I'd like to thank you for joining. And remember, as always, just my opinion.